This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Hi, I'm Chloe Walker and welcome to the Financial Standard podcast. The recent bond market turbulence witnessed a significant surge in 30-year UK gilt yields, while US government bonds experienced record-level sell-offs. Alongside the overall macroeconomic conditions, this increased volatility has cast doubt on the feasibility of traditional 60-40 portfolio, with many claiming that the strategy is dead despite some others believing it could make a return. Today, I'm joined by Payden and Rigel, Portfolio Manager Eric Souders, to delve into the future of bonds and their continued relevance in investors' portfolios. Welcome, Eric. Thank you very much. Great to be here. <laughs> Great to have you. So, Eric, can you tell me how relevant are bonds in the portfolio at this current time, considering all that's been occurring in the market? Yeah, sure. Well, bonds have been uh, they've been quite relevant for portfolios the, la- the last few years, given the uh, the ever-evolving uh, role that bonds uh, normally play in a portfolio. I think that, you know, typically bonds are a stabilizer uh, in a portfolio context, uh, uh, generally providing predictable income, lower volatility, uh, and, and a generic, uh, generic degree of safety when compared to equities. And so the typical result is diversification benefit by incorporating bonds into a portfolio as really a complement to equities. Uh, you know, bond price is usually stable to rising when equity prices decline. Um, and that's that's been the normal the normal playbook for the last thirty or forty years. Now I think that you know clearly the last three or four years that that playbook has been somewhat flipped on its on its head, so to speak, as bonds yeah. as bonds have not played uh, the role that investors really have been accustomed to. And so if we use mm. if we use volatility as an example, so prior prior to COVID, uh, the annual volatility of the MSI, MSCI World uh, Equity Index was about fourteen percent. The annual volatility of the Bloomberg Global uh, Aggregate Bond Index was about 3%. And now in the post-COVID world, the volatility of the MSCI uh, World Equity Index has been 16%, uh, while global bonds have been 7%. So equity volatility, just 2% higher from a starting point of 14, but bond, bond volatility, uh, 4% higher from a starting point of 3. So the result has been much, much higher volatility in your typical balanced or 60-40 uh, type portfolio uh, when compared to the past, just given the breakdown of the role that bonds normally play. And so, you know, the key here, I think, uh, with this volatility is, is a result of bond prices declining persistently. So we've seen U.S. Treasury prices, uh, the U.S. Treasury index specifically, it's actually down three years in a row now. Uh, so it was down 2% wow. in 2021. Last year was terrible. It was down 13%, and it's down about 2% year to date. And just to put that in perspective, the U.S. Treasury index has never declined two years in a row, let alone three years in a row. And so I think the result, Chloe, is just uh, it's really a material reset with respect to bond market yields. You've got developed government bond yields at the highest levels in, in, in a couple of decades. Uh, you've got a significant move higher in yields across other forms of credit risk, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but corporate bonds, emerging market debt, securitized credit. And so our view is that you know higher yields in less risky developed government market bonds should gradually reduce the attractiveness of more risky assets like equities uh, and high-yield corporates, uh, particularly as financial conditions tighten and grow slow. So I'll just say one more final thing. The conclusion, I think, is that bonds, they've been very relevant from a portfolio construction and asset allocation standpoint, 
uh, the last two years, given the market's just paying a lot more attention to them than they maybe have the last decade or so. Uh, and they played a very, a very different and I think a very disappointing role uh, in a broad portfolio context. And so investors are likely revisiting the role of bonds. And I guess that's why we're having uh, this discussion today. And, you know, we think here at Payton and Regal that they should focus on, you know, what types of bonds are most appropriate, uh, given the desired, the desired outcomes going forward. Right. That, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining and very interesting. So with that in mind, how can investors be more creative when it comes to the types of bonds that they buy? So I think we're probably entering uh, or have likely already entered a new regime for financial markets. Uh, and as part of that regime, you're, you're probably going to see higher volatility in interest rates, inflation, credit spreads, equities, et cetera, uh, for at least the next one to two years, uh, potentially longer. And you're already seeing you know, pretty material divergence across emerging market central banks, developed market central banks, just in terms of the degree of inflation uh, and the path of, of, of monetary policy. And so we think this is going to have really important implications uh, on the bond market, both from a, 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 an interest rate duration uh, and credit, credit spread or credit risk perspective. So I think that it really underscores the importance of, of active management, um, being really careful and selective regarding the asset classes in which you participate, you know, some asset classes will will actually benefit from higher interest rate. Others will will struggle. And so, I think having mm-hmm. latitude around asset allocation decisions, being able to adjust duration and credit risk, uh, and I think importantly, considering solutions uh, and and outcomes in the bond market that are not attached to a traditional benchmark. We think that's important. You know, if you're if you're entering a a, a period or a regime in which volatility will be higher, you know, you want, you want more latitude, you want more flexibility, you want to be nimble uh, and flexible. And so, um, you know, one of the, one of the ways we, we do that here at Payton is we do manage portfolios versus, versus cash. So thinking about bond portfolio management, just versus cash, trying to deliver steady yield, steady income, you know, being mindful of downside and not, not being necessarily attached to your traditional benchmark where, you have an interest rate duration of six or seven. That's your benchmark. You can't deviate too much from that. And so I think, um, again, mm. the punchline is more diversification, more latitude. Uh, and again, you know, like your, like your question stated, just being more creative uh, around what bonds you're buying. Yeah, thanks, Eric. So the 60-40 portfolio has been greatly debated in recent months, as we touched on before. Um, and many say that the strategy's days are numbered, particularly after 2022, so the decline of value in both equities and bonds. Um, what is your view? Do you think that the 60-40 portfolio strategy still has a place or should investors be embracing greater diversification in the face of uncertainty? It's a it's a big question. Um yeah, I'll try to I'll try to keep it reasonably brief here. I think um, I think <laughs> I think as a starting point, investors they they really need to think about what the sixty forty portfolio is designed to do. And you know, by, mm. by and large, it seems like the sixty four sixty forty portfolio is really designed to be an all weather solution, right? Providing correlation benefits with growth from the equity portion uh, when equity prices rally, so you get some growth benefit there. And then you've got stability from the fixed income portion when equity prices decline uh, and financial markets are are more turbulent, as as we have already discussed. I mean, clearly that that was not the case in 2022, uh, as correlations were were quite positive. You know, both equity prices and bond prices uh, going down um, more than 10 percent, both of them actually. Um, I think something that's interesting though is 
and, and it's also somewhat under-discussed by, by investors, you know, correlations, they've actually been positive multiple times uh, the last five years. Uh, specifically, both equity and bond prices were, were actually up uh, fairly substantially in 2019 and 2020, uh, about a 20% annualized return for global equities, 7% annualized return for U.S. treasuries. So was that outcome consistent with the fabric of a 60-40 portfolio? The answer is probably no. Why wasn't it discussed mm. very much? Well, probably because prices were going up, right? You don't, you don't ask a lot of questions when prices go up. You ask questions when prices go down. And so I think, um, you know, investors, again, as a starting point, they need to consider what 60-40, what does it mean? Um, and in what environment does it do well? So it optically did well in 2019, 2020, because of extraordinary monetary policy, very low inflation, and moderate fiscal spending. So the environment today it is much different. And so as a result, we think the regime the next three to five years could be one in which inflation is elevated, inflation volatility is higher, interest rate volatility is higher. And so if you put that in a historical context, the relationship between equities and bonds is actually quite different uh, depending upon the prevailing level of inflation. And so specifically, when you look at historic correlations, and I think this is really important, they tend to be negative when inflation is below 3%. They tend to be positive when it's above 3%, and they turn increasingly positive as the number approaches 4%. So, you know, you put that in context of 2022, you know, even looking at what's gone on in the bond market just the last five to 10 days, or even, you know, six to eight weeks, right? Uh, inflation expectations higher than expected, far away from target policy rate. Bond yields higher, equity prices lower. Correlations positive. Everything's going down in price. So if we think that the that the next regime is elevated inflation, which you know our view here is that's a reasonable probability given well a couple things. One, you've had lack of capex the last twenty years, right? And there's probably going to be a big capex boom the next the next five to ten as global supply chains and production are ultimately rerouted, plus a reasonable probability that fiscal retrenchment uh, is very minimal. I, I think especially in the U.S., it's fair to say, you know, fiscal retrenchment is a very low probability in the next 12 to 18 months, given we're going into an election year. So that's a really long mm -hmm. way of saying correlations, they could be very different uh, the next five to 10 years when compared to the post-2000 time period. And so as a result, I think investors need to seek additional means of diversification away from 60-40, right? So what does that mean? Areas like commodities, mm. areas like real assets, and even good old cash, right? Just owning more cash. Cash is not sexy. It's not interesting, but it actually has a yield. It actually has a return today. And that's going to really provide uh, um, um, stability when there's market turbulence. And actually, we just think that this, this sort of more comprehensive mix of stocks, bonds, and commodities, and real assets, and cash, it, it just gives you a better probability of, 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 of more attractive risk adjusted returns going forward. Mm, cash is king, as they say. Okay. <laughs> so finally, Eric, how can investors take advantage of the current macroeconomic environment and use it to invest in higher quality bonds? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the right question to ask. I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a good follow-on to the 60-40 question because the natural question then is, well, what do you do with the 40% of the portfolio, right? Let's just, you know, assuming that it is 40% in bonds. I think that, mm. you know, by and large, the mindset and the winning strategy, the last 15 years in the bond market was reach for yield. 
right? Move, move out the maturity spectrum, move down in credit quality, move into less liquid markets and opportunities. And so the main catalyst for that was clearly the bull market and bonds and the zero, zero interest rate policy uh, environment for, you know, really 15 years is driven by extraordinary, uh, extraordinary monetary policy, lack of really broad fiscal support. And I think deleveraging at both the household and corporate level, that was, that was really suppressed, uh, that really suppressed aggregate, aggregate growth uh, potential over the last 15 years. And so the result was negative yielding bonds uh, in many, many developed markets. Uh, Europe, Japan, I think are you know, pretty good examples, along with really historically tight credit risk premiums and, and just suppressed volatility. So uh, that leads us to today. Many ways today is, is the complete opposite, right? You've got monetary policy. Uh, is, it's been quite hawkish. I guess it's, it's a bit less hawkish today than it was you know, six to 12 months ago, but nevertheless, it remains tight. Uh, fiscal stimulus and deficits, they've increased substantially, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, in the post-COVID world. I mean, governments have really, they've really taken on greater degrees of debt and, and kind of filled that gap that the household and, and sort of corporate footprint haven't, haven't been able to fill. And all the while, nominal growth is stubbornly elevated, uh, driven by, as we've discussed, just higher degrees of inflation versus target. So what does that mean in terms of where you should think about investing going forward? We think the result is uh, you, don't, you don't need to reach for yield, right? Investors really can, can take what the market is, is giving them. You don't need to move out the maturity spectrum. Uh, I mean, obviously, yield curves are inverted in some markets, very inverted like the U.S. So uh, you can stay close to home in the front end of the yield curve. You don't need to move down in credit quality. And we don't think you need to own less liquid private assets. We think that, you know, the... Uh, the public bond market, you know, offers uh, the potential for well-diversified, high-quality, short-duration bond portfolio with a yield of you know, seven to eight percent. Pretty attractive as a starting point, uh, especially when you kind of put that in in historic context. And so, um, you've got a lot of cushion in this environment. We think, especially in the front end of the fixed income market, where you know it, uh, interest rate volatility might remain high, risk assets could struggle, but the starting yield is a really important predictor. Uh, of, of, of forward returns. And so I think the, you know, the bottom line for us is you don't need to reach for yield. Uh, you actually can probably do the opposite, achieving a decent, a decent risk-adjusted return without taking a, a lot of incremental risk. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for unpacking that and some really interesting insights. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today from sunny LA. And um, I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening. Uh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 